How many of you guys believe that you may be a little ADD? Anybody in here a little ADD? Anybody think you are? Yeah. You know what? I'm not ADD. I'm A through Z. Y'all with me on that? Okay, so I'm going to try and keep your attention, but if I forget what I'm saying, that's just the way it is, okay? Just, just roll with me, okay? Y'all with me on that? I believe in a huge God. How about you guys? Y'all believe in a huge God? Now, I hope that y'all do because you here you are, you're at a Christian school, right? So you, all of y'all are phenomenally gifted Christian young men and women, right? I know better. I was one like you. Guys, today what I want to do, I want to come alongside of you and I want to encourage you. I've been some places in my life that I didn't like to be. Have you ever been there? And what I mean is not necessarily in a destination, but I'm talking about things that have happened in my life that I didn't necessarily like that happened in my life. Have any of you guys ever had something that happened in your life that really hurts your heart? Anybody? Yeah, boy, most of us should have those stories. Because, you know, that story right there defines really who you are. Because either you grow past that and through that, or it continues to hold you bondage. Y'all with me? Have you ever been held in bondage? It's not very much fun. Have you ever felt like you're under a pile? I have. Before we get started, can I just share with you a silly story? Can I do that? Y'all okay? Y'all want to laugh again? All right. I give you permission to laugh right at me, okay? Now, like Gordon said, I'm playing football at... Now, let me even back up just a bit. I, I felt like that when God made me, I have an older brother and younger sister, I felt like God made a mistake because my family wasn't, it was okay, but I watched some things in my family that broke my heart. My dad was a professional golfer. He owned a golf course. He was very, very gifted athletically owned a business that was doing very, very well, and my dad retired and bought a golf course. Now, is that kind of cool? So I grew up with bumper cars. They're called golf carts. And all my friends would come over, and we'd try to bump each other off into the creek because if that happened, my dad owned it. It's okay. Until my dad would wear me out. You know what I'm saying? Well, a little bit of that was, that's how I grew up about the age of zero to about eight years old. But some things begin to happen within my journey of life that begin to be very, very difficult. My dad began to drink a little, and I'm talking a little bit. My dad began to smoke a little, just a little. My dad began to talk a little bit with a language which I hadn't heard him ever speak before. We quit going to church. How many of y'all believe because you go to church, you're saved? You see what I'm saying? Because you go to church doesn't make you saved, no more than me going and standing in my garage makes me a car, right? Y'all understand that, don't you? Just because you go someplace doesn't mean that you are that. Well, my dad took us to church, but then he began to quit taking us to church. But my dad began to drink more, and he began to be very involved in gambling. And it wasn't long after, about seven, eight years old, that my dad, one day, in a gambling frenzy, he got turned upside down, where he gambled away all the money he had in the bank. Is that a dangerous thing, you think? You might think, right? Every penny. And when he got so upside down, now he gambled away his golf course. He lost it too. Then he gambled away his house and the contents of his house, his cars, and everything he owned that day, my dad lost. What do y'all think? Is that a good day or a bad day? Yeah, a really bad day, right? My dad ended up leaving 
that day, and I didn't see my dad again for 35 years. What do y'all think about that? I felt abandoned, I felt alone, and I felt angry. Y'all with me on that? Do y'all think I shouldn't have felt that way? Y'all okay with me feeling angry? Y'all okay with me feeling abandoned? My mother now, when the next morning she gets a knock on the door, and there's these men there with trash bags. They said, you can collect your clothes because that's all you have in this home. We need you to get out of our house. What do y'all think about that? Do you think I like those men either? A lot of anger built up in me within a 24-hour period. In fact, let me use a word. I hated my daddy. Anybody with me on that? I hated the environment in which I was in because now my mother had no money. She has to move from our house, trash bags. We don't have a car. They keep our cars. They bought our taxi to go someplace to get where we could kind of lodge for a little bit. So we go to my grandparents' house, whose house was not big enough for my brother, my sister, and I, my mom. So we had to move into what was called FHA, low-rent, government-subsidized living. I grew up from nine years old in the projects. Y'all with me on that? Do you know what my problem was? I was mad I wasn't black. Y'all with me? Because all my friends were black, and I wasn't black. I was mad. And I went, God, why did you do this? Why would you allow my family to lose everything? I'm with these guys. I, I don't see colors. But most all the guys that I now live with were black or Hispanic. And I went, I love this. But I was mad at God because my dad had left and I'm in an environment I wasn't satisfied with being in. And we were so poor, guys, so poor. My mother had no money and she had to go get a job. And my mother was raising three kids on $200 a month. That's not enough, really. So as I look back on that time in my life, the only thing I could do is say, I'm angry at my dad, I'm abandoned, I'm alone, and I'm justified. Y'all see what I'm saying? I felt justified. Because I'd seen my dad grab my mom when he was drunk and burn her with cigarettes. I had grabbed onto my dad's back and tried to get my dad off my mom and watched him flip me into the wall and kick me. You see, I felt justified in my anger against my dad. And do you know who I ultimately turned all of my anger towards? Guess who it was? Yeah, God. I felt like if this is the way God is, then I don't like God. Y'all think anybody could ever feel that way in this world? Sure. I was angry at everybody. And so now I'm an angry young man so frustrated because the circumstances of my life were not working out the way that I thought that they would. And nor do any of y'all in here ever envision that happening to you guys. I hope not. But let me ask you a question. What if the most tragic thing in the world happened to you today? Could you handle it? You see, guys, that's what real Christianity is. Real Christianity is not you walking into this Christian school and into this church and going, ah, oh, and we sing these wonderful songs, and maybe when we raise our hands, and maybe we even go, this is great. But real Christianity is who you are when no one's looking and adversity hits you right in the face. Y'all with me? I was an angry kid. And Gordon, I am so thankful that one of my coaches from my school in Dallas that I was going to school, where I was living in the projects, 
He said, Keith Chancy, I'm paying for you to go to an FCA camp. FCA, Fellowship of Christianity. I thought, man, why would you do that? I don't like God. I'm not really interested in going to your camp. But he said, I'm paying for you. It's all expenses paid. Now, guys, at that time, I was throwing a paper route in Dallas where I woke up every morning, seven days a week at 3.30 a.m. Y'all with me on that? Y'all do that very often? And I was throwing 400 papers before I went to school. So I'd get in my car and I'd drive it. And before that, I'd do it on a motorcycle. Before that, I'd do it on a bicycle. Before that, I'd do it on my foot. Not because I just wanted money, but because I was helping my mother make a life. I was providing a place for us to live. And so as, that, as I look on that part of my life, it was so incredibly frustrating. But when that day that coach said, Chancy, I'm going to throw your paper out for the next seven days and I'm going to send you to this camp. I said, I'm done. I'm out. I went to that conference. I was so excited. I didn't have to wake up all those days at 3.30 a.m. And I was introduced to the greatest person ever on the planet. Y'all know who it was, don't you? Jesus Christ. And that day, my life changed. But it didn't make everything easy. I believe that so many of us go, if I accept Christ, it's going to be easy. Because you accept Christ does not mean it's going to be easy. It might be more difficult. Because being a follower of Jesus Christ means you serve Him only. I have a little wristbands that I'm going to give all of you guys before the day's over. It's called All In. Y'all want them? I'll talk about them later. But you've got to be all in. And if today you decide you want to be all in to make a difference for Jesus Christ, man, I want to be there with you. I want to hand you one of these and help you. But guys, the reality is I've got to help you with something. It's going to be difficult. So, the problem with pain and evil is that you've got to find a purpose in the midst of suffering. So, our view of God is shaped, okay? It's shaped by the circumstances of life. Every one of y'all in here have circumstances that have affected your life. It could be divorce. Have any of y'all in here had your parents get divorced? Anybody? Man, that's awesome. Oh, yeah, there are some, okay? That was very destructive for me. It, it hurt. Anybody had anybody they loved die? Did that affect you? Anybody have any member of your family or friends or someone you know do drugs. Y'all got anybody like that? That affects. Family dynamics affect. Spiritual gifts affect. Some of your prophets, some of your servants, some of you have the gift of mercy. And so you cry all the time. And you go, what is wrong with me? Okay, that happens. Okay. Performance-based. Some of you are very performance-based. You just want to be liked. And when you're not liked, it just shuts you down. Some of you have been abused. Some of you have drinking alcohol or you know someone who has and it's, it's caused you issues. Some of you hate hypocrisy. How many of y'all hate hypocrisy? I hope all of you. It's evil, okay? Some of your parents' relationships have affected you. Personality types. War, that there's war in the world and maybe one of your, your dad had to go serve in the war. Possibly even got killed. And, and there's a lot of things that these affect who God is. So here's the question. Genesis 1.1. What does that say? In the beginning, what? God created the heavens and the earth. Do y'all really believe that? Yes or no? Guys, if you don't fundamentally believe that, we've got a huge issue. But let me tell you something. Not everybody you know believes that. They believe God is not a big G God, but a little G God, that there may be pantheism or multi-gods. You have no idea what your friends believe until you ask them. Do you believe in the one true God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one that understood our dilemma? And we'll talk about that in just a second. But God did it all. 
My God, and let's use a word here, is sovereign. Y'all agree to that? Do y'all really believe that everything that happens on this planet, God knew? You better, because he knows everything. He's omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent. He knows everything. He created everything for his glory. And so when you look at this, you go, in the beginning, God created everything. And on the seventh day, God rested, not because he was tired, but because everything that he created was finished. And he said, it is all good. I love that. People say, Chancy, you always say it's all good. But did y'all hear where I came from? Do y'all think in my life it's always been all good? The answer is no. But I have trusted God through his sovereignty, and I understand who God is. Therefore, since I understand God, I understand the nature of God, and I understand why God created me, and I can say it's all good because I have a purpose. What y'all's purpose is this school? If your purpose is just to come here and get an education, that's a great purpose. But nowhere in the scriptures are you going to read that it says, go therefore and get a good education. It doesn't say that. It says, go therefore and make disciples. So God wants you to be a disciple maker no matter how young or old you are. Can you do it? Sure you can. Let me give you an example. So I go to this conference. My HUD leader comes alongside of me and says, Keith Chancy, your daddy has been very, very difficult, hasn't he? I said, you have no idea. And I bawled my eyes out. I said, Tommy, who is my huddle? I said, I hate my dad. I hate my family. I hate what's going on. I hate God. And he said, Chancy, let me stop you for a second. He said, let me introduce you to the God that created everything. And I want to help you with something. And guys, let me show y'all something. We must have an accurate view of God. Or else we ask, where is God? Right? Where is God? There's three key questions I want y'all to answer today in this first little section. Why did God create mankind if he knew mankind was going to what? Fall. Isn't that a great question? Why did God create mankind if he knew mankind was going to fail? Secondly, why did God create the devil if he knew the devil was going to be an enemy of God? Why did God create the devil if, if he's going to throw the devil out of heaven? Isn't that a great question? It's a great question. But you've got to answer it. And thirdly, why is there so much suffering in the world today? If God is sovereign, why are there people starving in Africa? Why are there people dying of AIDS in Ethiopia? Why do bad things happen to good people? And why do good things happen to bad people? Y'all with me? We've got to answer this. And today I'm going to try to do that in the next 15 minutes. Y'all with me? So here's what's key. This text is paramount to your theology. You've got to understand these texts right here, okay? Why did God create mankind? In Genesis 2, 15 and 16, y'all just looked at Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We agreed to that. But now in Genesis 2, 15 and 17, God says to Adam and Eve, he says, you may surely eat of everything in the garden. But in the day that you eat from the tree of the fruit of good and evil, you will what? What does he say? Yeah, you will. And he says, not just die. Read it. it You've got to understand in the full context. He says, you will surely die. It means you will die, die. Why is it important for us to understand you will die a double death? What are the two deaths that we will die one day? You will die a physical death and a spiritual death. When did you die a spiritual death? At the moment that you sinned, right? And so are we born sinners, yes or no? 
So we were born dead. That's interesting. But only through Christ can we be a new living creation. Y'all with me on that? But one day we will die a secondary death, and that's when we die and we stand before God. That would be awesome. Because to the believer, it's called the Bema seat. We stand that he gives us rewards. But for the non-believer, it's the judgment seat where they're rendered, they're cast off into hell. That would be a bad day for them. But I don't like to even talk about the hell part because I, I want to emphasize the grace part of who God is. Y'all with me on that? I love God because he loved everybody. Y'all with me? But the thing is, God gave a mandate to Adam and Eve. In the day that you eat from the fruit of the tree of good and evil, you will surely die. And then in Genesis 3, then you see this slimy serpent. And I don't know if he is slimy, really. But this serpent comes up, and it must not have been unusual for snakes to talk. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. But a snake talks to Adam and Eve and says, Surely in the day that you eat from the tree of good and evil, you will not die. But your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God. Is that what God said back in Genesis 2? Yes or no? No. So what is the devil? He is a what? Liar. Do y'all agree to that? Do y'all think the devil lies to you? Every day. When you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see and you compare yourself to someone else and you go, man, my arms are too little or my heads to this or my eyebrows are too monobrowed. I don't know. Whatever you think, you, you can critique yourself to death and compare yourself and, if, and say, if only I was like, and you think I would be happy, you'll never be happy with looks. The only way you find true happiness is a Philippians 4 deal when you find joy in Christ. But see, guys, the thing that's interesting to me is that the devil, who is the liar, who makes you believe that you're not good, he makes you believe that your world doesn't work, he makes you believe all the things that are not true, He's a liar. John 10.10 calls the devil what? A thief. And what does the thief do? John 10.10 says. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Y'all with me on that one? Have you ever seen that happen in your life? Do you think the devil could ever steal your joy? You think he could ever kill, not just kill you, but you think he could kill your happiness? You think he could destroy your families? Oh, make no doubts about it, he can do this. You see, God created the devil with a purpose. And I'll explain that a little bit more in a minute. But the thing about it is, guys, is that the devil is our enemy. He's not our friend, and you don't want to rock and roll with the devil in hell. Okay? 1 Peter 5, 7 says he is a roaring lion, and he comes to devour you. That doesn't sound like someone who wants to play with us. But every time we turn on our phones, look at our iPads, look at the internet, and we look at things that are not glorifying to God, we're letting the devil take control of our life. And we're saying, welcome, devil, I give you permission to come with me. And if we're calling ourselves Christians, we've got to understand, you don't play with the devil. Remember in Matthew 4, Jesus was tempted for how many days? 40 days and 40 nights, and he fasted. By whom was he tempted? The devil. And the devil promised Jesus everything. I will give you everything. All you've got to do is bow down and worship me. And Jesus said the three strongest words he could say. What did Jesus say to the devil to resist the devil? What did he say? It is written. Jesus used this book right here to fight against the devil. 
How important is this book to you? Guys, girls, if you play any kind of sport whatsoever, if your coach gives you a play and says go run the play and you don't know the play, what will the coach do to you? He will sideline you. Why will he sideline you? Because you don't know what? The play. Guys, God has, he wants you to be on this planet to glorify him. Y'all with me on that? And so now, the devil's not our friend. God loves us. 1 John 4 says God is love. Y'all with me on that? But then Exodus 34, 7 says he's also a just God. Therefore, God will punish sin. One day, and y'all understand this, the New Testament, the Old Testament, we were under the law. The New Testament, we're under grace, right? Christ abolished the law, and now we're freed through grace to now experience happiness and joy, but not happiness and joy that nothing's going to go wrong, but happiness and joy to know that one day we'll be with Him in heaven. Amen? Is this earth as good as it gets? Yes or no? No. What do we wait for? One day to be where? In heaven. Is Christ coming back one day? Yes or no? What's that called? The rapture. The word rapture is a Latin word. It's really not in your Bible, but the word gathered up is. We'll be gathered up and we'll, God will come down one day and take us up. That's going to be awesome. That's called the rapture, and we enter into the tribulation. After the tribulation, we enter into the millennial reign. And then it's all over. The devil is thrown in the lake of fire. It's over, checkmate, done, and it's glory. And God says it's ruling forever on this earth. A lot of different people believe different things there, but it's really kind of easy. Christ is coming back, and it's going to be good. But we've got to get ready for him coming back. And my view of God is very important. Let me ask you all this. Why does God allow evil? Why did he create mankind? For one reason. Do me a favor. Open up your Bible to John chapter 4, verse 23, and circle this verse. This verse right here is a verse that you've got to show your mother, your daddy, your grandmother, your grandpa, and maybe even your puppy, Fifi, okay? Because everybody needs to know this verse right here. Because bad things are going to happen. But this scripture says it better than I could ever tell you of why God created mankind. An hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now, look very carefully what it says next. For such people the Father seeks to be true worshipers. What is mankind's purpose to be on this planet? To become what? Two words. First word starts with true. True worshipers. So when you came in here this morning and y'all sang the songs that you sang, some of you did this. La, 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 la. I do this every day. This is just the way it is. And you're thinking about everything else. But God is looking for the true worshipers. Did you really come in here this morning going, God, I want to worship you because you are the creator? You are the God that will abolish the devil? You are the one through your grace that gives me eternal life. And God, because of what you did, I want to live for you. Did y'all come here and that was the reason you worshiped this morning? Do you see what I'm saying? It's so easy to get caught up into so many things and miss God. Amen? 
And guys, I don't want y'all to miss it. God is looking for the true worshipers. I have never recovered from that verse. My purpose is to be a true worshiper. Now, the word worship is the word worthship. It means we make Christ worth everything. That He is my worth. I mean, Christ paid my ransom. You and I are dead men walking unless Christ doesn't come. According to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 3, Christ came. And according to Hebrews 4, 15, He is a perfect man who was tempted in all things as we are, yet He was without sin. God is the perfect salvation for us. Without Christ, we have no hope. So Hebrews 4.15 lets us know that he is a perfect man that paid our price. Amen? And he paid our ransom. And he freed us by his grace. It didn't cost you anything. It cost him everything. Ephesians 2.8.9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not a result of work. So we cannot work ourselves to heaven, but we get heaven because we trust him for what he's done. And my whole belief system is worth God. What you did on the cross makes you worth it. My worship is for you because you are so awesome. And I'm going to go to a Christian school. And I don't care that everybody here says they're Christians. I'm going to ask people to live like Christ. Amen? Not to be hypocritical. Not just to come and go through the motions, but to go, I'm going to be excellent at everything I do. Whether it be on the volleyball team, the football team, or whatever sporting events, or whatever academics that you do, you may not be an A student. You may be a D student. But you're the best D student you can be. Y'all follow me there? You give everything to the best, but you don't compare yourself to anybody. You go, God, thank you. My worship is to you because you are so awesome. And I want to please you, God. I want to make you known. You know, Cameron, this year, my son, as Gordon said, he plays for the University of Missouri. And he comes walking in the locker room. And Cameron's 6'1", receiver, comes walking in. And all the guys are talking about what they're doing sexually. And all the guys immediately stop and they turn and say, Hey, Cameron, what are you doing with your girlfriend? And watch what Cameron does. You'll love it. He holds his hands up like this and he goes, virgin, I'm a virgin. What you've done, anything can do. What I've got, you can never have. Now think about that. I said, where did you get that? He says, I don't have any clue. It just came to me on the spot. And I said, what did they do? He said, they said, preacher boy, preach it. Two years later, every time the team addresses Cameron. They call him Preacher Boy. I love it for him because every guy on the team that's struggling comes to Cameron for advice. Being a football player doesn't mean that Cameron's arrived. Being a football player is just Cameron's venue of service. Y'all follow me? God created mankind for us to worship Him. So whether it be on the football team, the academic math team, the science club, or in the community, God created you to make Him known. Amen? And guys, that's you. And some of you go, Chancy, you know, I'm just not there yet. If you're not there, you might not be saved. You follow me? Because in Christ, you are, what does 
2 Corinthians 5.17 say, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new is come. If I'm in Christ, I am walking new. According to Galatians, I now walk by a different set of rules. And how am I walking? According to the what? They're called fruits. What are they called? The fruits of the Spirit. And so now, as a believer, you start what begins to identify you as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Where people look at you and go, wow, you are so different from everybody else that goes to that school. It's not that you don't want to look like everybody here. You want to look like Christ. Y'all will follow me on that? Don't be afraid to stand out. Don't be content to be a part of this crowd. There's a lot of turkeys in this crowd. Turkeys don't fly, by the way. You're an eagle. It's time for you to start flying. Amen? And eagles fly, and they set themselves apart. But you want to know something that's interesting about eagles? Do you know how eagles learn how to fly? Y'all probably heard this. Mothers build their nests about 2,000 feet above the air or higher. That's awesome, okay? You ever zip line at 2,000 feet? That would be awesome, okay? Well, the mother, she sits on the eggs, hatches the eggs, and eagles mate for life, by the way, male and female. Kind of interesting. Even eagles know that, okay? Y'all got that. I know you did, okay? Now, our government doesn't, but eagles do, okay? But, all right? But the interesting thing is that the mother will come over and sit on those eggs. She'll hatch those eggs. And she brings those eaglets worms and whatever else she can feed them and they begin to grow well one day they jump up on the edge of the nest and they're going however eagles say i don't know what they say eek or whatever okay and their little wings flap like this and mama jumps up beside them and goes hi sweetie hi sweetie and she goes and she knocks them up okay and their little heart they put seismic monitors on these little eaglets and they said their hearts are going hundreds of miles an hour because their destiny is hitting the ground Mama! Okay. And right before they hit, Mama goes, whoom, and just grabs them and goes, whoom, 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 and says, and they're going, oh, thank you, Mama. And she goes, and knocks them off again. And she keeps doing it until their wings get strong enough to fly. That just sounds evil, doesn't it? <laughs> but that's the way we are being raised up. Guys, you've got to strengthen your spiritual wings. You've got to understand who God is, that God created mankind. Y'all follow me there? So we're to be true worshipers. True worshipers look like this. Why did God create the devil? The reason God created the devil was for choice. God wasn't surprised that the devil turned against God. God knew the devil was going to turn against him. When you read Ezekiel, and you look in chapter 27, you begin to look at the king of Tyre, and you begin to look at the things of the evil one, and you see that he was a, the most beautiful of all the angels, and you see all these things about the devil. You understand why he wanted to be God. God knew the devil wanted to be God, and so therefore God allowed the devil to come to the earth, and God gave this planet dominion for the devil. He's the prince of the earth. But God is Savior. Y'all with me on that? Big difference. The prince has the opportunity to do whatever he wants to. God gave him that. But let me tell you something, guys. Choice is a big deal. You're either all in or you're all out. There's no 50-50 on this thing. You're either 100% a Christian or you're not. Becoming a Christian is this. It's called you repent. Y'all know what repent is? What is it? 
It's a military term that I'm marching this way, and what I do? I stop, and I put one foot behind the other like this. Watch my back foot. I put it like this, and what I do? I spin like this. What am I doing? I'm turning away from where I was going, and I march the other direction. Y'all follow me? That's called repentance. That means I know where I was going. I stopped going that route. I may have been messing around with my girlfriend or boyfriend, looking at pornography, lying, stealing, cheating, a million things we could say. I stopped. I recognized my sin. I repented. I said, no more am I going to do that. It's not my nature. I'm a new nature in Christ. Galatians 2.20, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives through me. The life which I live now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and died for me. I'm changing about this direction. I'm going different, and I'm going to be reconciled now to God. I repent, and I reconcile. What does the word reconciliation mean? If you reconcile yourself with somebody, what does that mean? Yeah, you make right. So reconciliation is I make right what I've done wrong. So if I'm going this direction, I stop, I repent, I turn away. God, will you forgive me? God forgives me. Now I reconcile. Well, can I make right? Teachers, I've done this wrong. Mom, dad, I've done this wrong. There's a huge process here. The devil doesn't want you to be completely free of bondage. The devil wants you to live in bondage. The reason so many of you are not living without anxiety And the reason so many people are living in bondage and shackles and chained and in jail is because they feel like I've repented, but nothing happened. Well, the reason nothing happened is you didn't reconcile. You didn't make right what was wrong. Mom and dad, I have blown it. I've lied. I've stolen. I've cheated. I've been looking on the porn and on the internet. I've been looking on my iPhone. I've been doing this. I've got to do what's right. I've got to make right my wrong situation because I've repented. And because I'm doing it, I want to be restored. Y'all see the three full progress there. I repent, I reconcile, I make right, and then I'm restored in right relationship with God. And then the fourth R is this, now I'm renewed. Y'all follow me? What does 1 Timothy 1.7 say? Somebody's got that? For God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Why do you think we need to understand that? Because so many of are afraid of being rejected. Am I right? Even in this room right here, so many of you, if I really stand up and become radical for Jesus, everybody's going to think I'm weird. Good. Let them think you're weird because you are weird. The problem is you don't know it. In Christ is not popular. It's essential. If you step out in this room and start living like Christ, people are going to say, you're weird. I don't want to hang out with you. And they're not going to ask you to the party on Friday night, Saturday night. And they're not going to ask you to be a part of a lot of things. You got to go, you know what? I'm okay with that. Because I'm not going where they're going. And you can't judge whether they're saved or not. But you've got to go, I'm going a different direction. If you don't learn that now, when you go to college, you're going to chunk this faith and you're going to go do something different. Christianity is not a bunch of do's and don'ts. It is a relationship. It's not a religion. The religion is do's and don'ts. The relationship is I want to. I go to church not because I have to, but because I want to. Y'all follow me on that? You didn't come to a Christian school because you had to, but hopefully you wanted to come here to get an education to impact the world to be a true worshiper. Amen? Y'all see what I'm saying? It's a radical transformation. It's a repentance, a turning about, a reconciliation I want to make right, and a renewal that says I'm living so much different and I'm refreshed that now, according to Philippians 4.8, I am anxious for nothing. But in everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Y'all see what I'm saying? Be anxious for nothing. 
But in everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, I love that word, the peace of God that surpasses all that you can imagine, all comprehension, will guard your heart and your mind. But guys, before your heart and your mind can be renewed, you've got to repent, reconcile, renew, and refresh. Amen? So guys, today you've got to hit the reset button of life and go, I want to refresh me. And I'm going to quit living like everybody else because I understand my God is awesome. God created the devil to allow people to have a choice. We're not robots. Every one of you this morning had the opportunity to walk in here having already had a quiet time and spent time in prayer before you came to school. But so many of us in a Christian type school will rely on the school to do what you were meant to do yourself. You've got to learn spiritual disciplines. You've got to begin to take your Bible and go, this book, I've memorized a lot of this book because I understand that's what Jesus used. It is written. So it's what I use to live my life. It is written. So when I face the trials, I go, God, thank you for your word that helps me to know how to go forward. And so I wake up in the morning and I spend time in God's word, not because I have to, but because I get to. And people say, Chancey, do you think you have to have a quiet time in the morning? No, I don't think you have to have it in the morning. I think you have it 24-7. <laughs> Y'all with me on that? Because the problem is we like to put God in a box and say, well, if I do it here, Chancey's so mean because he says i got to have it in the morning. I'm not saying in the morning. I'm saying all day long have it. Your day is a quiet time. My life is a quiet time. Y'all with me on that? On the football field, Cameron last week, he gets hit. He's running down the field, and he gets hit. This guy hit him 310 pounds, hit Cameron right in the chest. It, it dislocated seven ribs. Oh, it hurt. Dude, he goes, Dad, I can't hardly breathe, but it's awesome. He takes it so awesome when he gets killed. He gets killed every day, you know, and he loves it. You know why he loves it? He understands his purpose. Cameron is on that team making a difference for Christ. He's not popular, but they know who he is. They call him Preacher Boy. When they want to get something right with that, they come to Cameron. Cameron, will you pray for me? Because he understands them. And guys, are people seeking you out in this room because you stand so much for Christ? So, the deal is, guys, God allows the devil because God gave us a choice. Either good decides my worldview or my worldview decides what is good. That's an interesting statement. You can't let circumstances define your worldview. You've got to go, I know my God and I trust him. What does Romans 8, 28 say? For all things work together for good to those that love God, to those that are called according to his purposes. When my daddy left and my daddy abused me and all the things that went on in my family happened in my life, was that a bad thing? Yes. But has God used the bad for good? Yes. 35 years later, fast forward to now, my dad calls me on the phone 35 years later. Would y'all be impressed? My dad calls me. And listen to what he says. Keith, can I come home? <laughs> you know what's so cool about that? Because at that FCA conference when I was a senior, I forgave my daddy because God forgave me. 35 years later, I had continued praying for my dad all that time that he'd come home one day. I didn't even know if my dad was alive. Never heard from him. My daddy calls. Can I come home? I said, I can't wait to see you. 
I don't know if my daddy's become a millionaire. I don't know if he's bought islands off the Caribbean. I don't know if he's still a golf pro. I don't know. And when my daddy stepped off that plane, my daddy had on really nasty jeans and old t-shirt and army boots, and my daddy was a street-walking bum. My daddy had never recovered from what he did 35 years ago. Within a week later, I had the opportunity and the privilege to lead my daddy to Christ. My daddy came to Jesus. Because God had forgiven me, I offered the same thing to my dad because my daddy had a choice. Y'all with me on that? And rather than hold something against people, I gave Christ to my daddy. Guys, less than nine months later, my daddy passed away. I never got to spend much time with my daddy on this earth, but I'll get to spend eternity with him in heaven. Are y'all with me on that? And I am so glad that I don't have to live with regrets wishing I would have said something that I wish I would have done. You've got classmates in this room that are living a choice that's not following Christ. And you're not man enough or woman enough. Everybody here calls themselves Christians. Yes, we've repented, but have we reconciled? Reconciliation is that each and every day, not that we're calling people out because we think we're better, but we're loving people enough to say, hey, I want to help you with choices I think that you aren't right. If we really call someone a friend, we help them to do what is right. Are y'all following me? Don't just call this a Christian school. Make this a Christ-centered school. Y'all follow me? If you're in Israel and you call yourself a Christian, what the Israeli Messianic Jews will say, they'll say, don't say that. Because we're so sick of you Americans coming over calling yourself Christians, but you don't live any different. They said, if you want to come over here, call yourself. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I am dead to sin. I believe that he rose from the grave. I believe it's in my heart, and I'm going to live different. I am all in for Jesus Christ, believer. They said, if you don't say that, then don't call yourself anything. I went, I love you. Because you see, we've got to get radical as Christians. Amen? We've got to. Just because you call yourself something doesn't make you that. Your lifestyle does. I understand the choice that I have every day. Isaiah 45, 7 says, The one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Guys, God is sovereign. Anything that happens is according to His will. Amen? And it's all about something bigger than us. Don't blame God. Let God's will help us to become more like Him. Amen? And John 4, 24 says, God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So the question here is, why is there so much suffering in the world today? Y'all know why? Because sin. Sin is obvious. But what does Romans 6, 1 say? What should we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may what? Abound. And what does it say? May it never be. Guys, we don't just continue to sin. We say no to sin and we walk away from sin. The problem is, if I've allowed my experiences to shape how I view God and there is pain and suffering in the world, should I have a negative view of God? The answer is no way. Guys, pain has shaped my worldview because I trust God enough that no matter what happens, it's okay. Because this is not as good as it gets. Y'all with me? This is not as good as it gets. Today, heaven will be. But this is not. And until we get there, quit wanting what you think you deserve now. You're not entitled to anything. You're entitled to punishment and death. But God gave you the free gift. You are recipients of the lotto. A billion dollar lottery. It's redeemable. You've got the ticket. It's called the blood of Jesus. Amen? And when you get to heaven, turn it in. Because it's, it's, it's redeemable there. You're going to have everything then. But until then, be a true worshiper. Amen? Here's six ways to understand where God is during suffering. But John 9, 2 through 3 just kind of helps you. Pain changes our perspective. Pain proves our character. Guys, you're going to be rejected. 
You may not be the starting player on your team. Don't worry about starting. Make a ministry. Y'all follow me? Don't worry about being number one in the class. Shoot for it. But if you don't get it, be happy that those did get it, but you just keep being that true worshiper of God. Thirdly, understanding Christ and suffering gives me comfort to comfort others. The reason you go through the pains that you go through is to comfort others. My son Cameron, before he won state, the state champion hurler in Missouri, the 110s, and before he runs his last race, he's over in the trash can hurling, and, and I thought, buddy, are you that nervous? I've never seen him that nervous before. It wasn't that Cameron was nervous. Cameron has a condition, and he's gluten intolerant, and he's got a lot of, we didn't know all these things, and he had ruptured the lining of his, of his stomach, and Cameron's throwing up blood before he runs the hardest meat of his life. And he goes, Dad, why would God allow this to happen? And he's looking at me, kind of smiled, and says, you know what? It don't matter, because I die today. I know where I'm going. And I said, so where, what are you going to do? He said, I'm going to give it my best. I said, so what if you don't win? He says, it don't matter because I'm just giving my best to the glory of God. Are y'all following me? Guys, give your best to the glory of God. There's a lot of reasons why people are going to try to tell you to follow the crowd. Don't follow the crowd. Follow Jesus. Amen? Have an eternal perspective according to 2 Corinthians. It makes us worthy. I love that 2 Thessalonians. What It makes you worthy of the kingdom of God. I love it. And the last one, it gives us peace. For those that have been trained through discipline in all those difficult times, it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness. Amen? Y'all with me? Is this helpful? Guys, that's what I got for you this morning. That's number one. Does this help at all for you guys? It's where you're at, isn't it? Calling you out. Won't you be all in? Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your love for us. And God, may we process this. God, may we understand the creation, why you did it, why you created the devil is that you allowed the choice, but you are sovereign and nothing will ever come to us that's not according to your will. Difficult times will happen, but we need to endure through those things because God it allows us to love others, to minister to others, to serve others, because we're going to keep our eyes on being a true worshiper. Father, thank you for your worship. Father, we want to make you known in a world that is not doing a very good job of that. Help us not just to go to a Christian school, but help us to make this Christian school Christian. That we are truly followers of Christ. That people want to come here because they see revival happening here. They see real lives change of repentance. They see healthy relationships of reconciliation. Not people that turn people away and get mad at each other, but people that work things out. That there's a renewing in this group. That there's a refreshment. That we've hit a re reset button that's made this group awesome for the kingdom. Let this school be a light for Christ. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And God, no matter what you take us through in life, may we serve you well. In Jesus' precious name, everyone says, amen.